It is written. The Gospel of Luke says, even though all of heaven and earth will pass away, my word will remain true forever. It is written. Book said, to hide this in your heart and it's to consume of this thing constantly. The Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was the Word. It is written. Is this actually what that scripture is saying? It is written. All right, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4. If you don't have a traditional Bible and you want to use one, just raise your hand and one of these people will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep it. It's our gift to you. Or you can take your smart device and open up the version or the Bible app and all the notes and scriptures, everything except for pictures and videos have already been uploaded. If you are watching us live on our online campus or one of our many, many services at the Brown County Correctional Facility, love you guys and so glad that you're part of our family. So glad that we got Fox Valley, as Pastor Sonny said, and downtown and soon to be Howard. And we're looking at Manitowoc and we're looking at Oklahoma and we're looking at Texas. And so thank you guys for all that you're doing to expand our family, but thank you for being here. We love you. Give yourselves a hand because you're here today in the pre-winter weather. Winter is coming. It's like ominous, isn't it? It feels like you should say winter in a deeper, lower voice. And so I'm really excited to be starting this new series, obviously called It Is Written. I feel like now every time that I say the title of the series, I should say it like it is written. Like I didn't even speak over that music. Our team made that by splicing my words and putting them in there. And so I thought, A, that's dope. And B, that's really creepy. It is creepy. And so anyway, I'm super excited. It's really just all about the Bible, which I know every series should be just all about the Bible. But particularly this series is just about what we call the scriptures, what it is, why it's important, how you should look at it, how you should handle it, read it. And we're doing this because we live in a culture that is largely what I would call Bible deficient. And I come to that conclusion actually in a few ways. First, uh, primarily because of the sheer number of Bibles that we give away. I mean, literally thousands of Bibles in the past seven years, which is awesome, and we love it, but it was something that was surprising to me. It, it was and continues to be surprising to me how many people didn't and actually still don't own their own Bible. Secondly, I come to that conclusion because of the general lack of biblical knowledge in our culture. Just the basic content of this book, the stories that are in it. It wasn't really that long ago that people had a basic working knowledge of scripture. I am not that old, but when I was a kid, we used to sing the national anthem and recite the Lord's Prayer every day 
at school. Like it used to be that people had a basic working knowledge of at least some of the stories. They, they knew that there was a guy named Adam and a girl named Eve. They, they knew that there was a, a guy named Noah and his wife, Joan, and him had a, not really his wife, but some of you say Joan of Arc, you think that that was the one. Like that there was like a guy named Noah and he, he had a boat and there was a guy named Moses and he walked through the water. There was a guy named David and he bopped the guy upside the head with a, a little rock. And like there was just some sort of basic knowledge, at least of the stories, but even that has diminished in our culture. And, and so we have a group of people that are sadly Bible deficient. And so I want to spend the next month working on that. And I want to start today with a message that we're calling a life built on God's word. Let's pray. God, we love you. We're grateful to you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us every single day. And so God, today I pray that our hearts, our minds, our ears, our lives would all be opened to be changed. That when we leave here, we'll be more like you and our lives will be built more on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. It is written. There, there are ultimately two ways to communicate with God. There is prayer and there is scripture. Or you could say there is prayer and there is reading the Bible. And here's an oversimplified description of those two things. Prayer is when we talk to God, but scripture or reading the Bible is when God talks to us. And, and there are far more people who pray than there are people who read the Bible. Or let me say it like this. There are far more people who talk than there are people who listen. Uh, and it's not even a believer versus non-believer type of thing. My, my pastor, Fulton Buntain, used to say that Jesus people are really good at talking, but we're not very good at listening. We're not very good at listening to each other, and we're really not very good at listening to God. And the danger in that, the danger is that when we pray and we don't read scripture or we don't read the Bible, we control the conversation. We control the narrative of our lives and our relationship with God becomes very one-sided where, where we feel like we are here to be served rather than when we are here to serve. When we don't have any context of scripture on our lives, we end up forming God in our own image, which is why there's nothing more important in your life than to get more of God's word into your life. So, so let's look at the first chapter of the gospel of John. It says, in the beginning was the word, the word, which, which I think it's interesting how God chose to call himself the word before there was a word, before there was a Bible, before there was a printed page, he called himself the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. In other words, God and the Bible are synonymous. They are the same. They are one. They have a symbiotic relationship. There is no space between them. So if you want to get to know God, you've got to get to know your Bible. But from the minute that sin entered into the world, man has always loved listening to himself more than he's loved listening to God. And so God decided... Rather than just say it, he would show it. So the word became flesh 
and dwelt among us or made its dwelling among us. And while that word Jesus was in the flesh, he had some, like, some things, he had some claims that he made about the Bible and what it can do in our lives. And so we're gonna study some of those today because what I want really at the depths of my heart, what I want is for you to love the word because you will never live the word until you love the word. Y'all, I love this book. And I'm gonna talk more about this later, but I, I don't just love my digital book. Y'all, I'm grateful for the digital one. I'm grateful that the, the number one most downloaded app in the world is the Bible app. I'm, I'm grateful that I can take my Bible everywhere that I am grateful for all the tools that are on a digital Bible, but there is just something about having your own Bible. I, I still have a Bible that I got really early on in my Jesus journey, and it's not a very big Bible. It's a small Bible. I, I don't bring it very many places anymore because it's kind of uh, delicate. It's, it's beat up, thank God, because if your Bible isn't beat up, your life probably is. And so I, like, I have this book, and pages are falling out, and so they're, they're kind of slipped back in there in some places. It's held together on the back by tape and it's got like things written in it great messages that I heard mediocre messages that I've spoken there's things written in the back like little quotes in the back there's in the very back there's uh I wrote in my Bible, how to do an altar call, which is what we call it when we ask you to make a response. Because like early on in the Jesus thing, they would ask me to speak and I, and I, I wouldn't know how to get people to respond to stuff. And so, and so I wrote uh, in the back how to do an altar call. And so like it used to be when I would tell people, bow your heads and close your eyes, it wasn't just for their own secrecy. It was so that they wouldn't see that I didn't know what I was doing. And so I'd open the back of it and I would like read the, the altar call in this. And so like I, I love this book, and I genuinely believe if you'll give us the next month, if you'll just follow the playbook that we give you for this process, like if you'll give us the next four Sundays, I know you got other stuff going on. I know you've got other priorities, and I know that church has become almost secondary for some people in our culture, which kind of makes me sad anyway, but like for just for the next four weeks, if you could not miss a Sunday, if you could commit to going to a life group, which by the way, start this week. I, I think if you'll do those two things, in fact, I guarantee if you'll do those four things, if you'll give us the next four Sundays and you'll go to these life groups, then you will love the word more at the end of this process than you do today. And so I, I'm gonna ease into some stuff today. And, and as we go along throughout this series, I'm gonna talk to you about some more of the confusing parts. Like next Sunday, y'all do not want to miss next Sunday because I'm going to give you a message about understanding the word where I am literally taking an eight-hour class and boiling it down to 28 minutes. And so you're going to get eight hours worth of content inside 28 minutes worth of talking or for you, 28 minutes worth of listening. And so we're going to take some of the really confusing parts and we're going to try to make those more manageable, less confusing. But look at what Jesus says about the Bible and the Gospel of John. He's going to tell us that the words that he's using are not normal words. Here's what he says. He says, the words that I've spoken to you are spirit, 
pause, which if you read the book slowly and you are intent on really understanding it, if you're really intent on comprehending what it is that you're reading, that little line right there, if you're going slow, can be one of the areas that's confusing. I don't know if you've ever get like if you've ever gotten confused by the word, but like I'm always getting confused by the word. And when you get confused by something, you've got to slow down in it. And so sometimes I've got to slow down, not because like I have like this spiritual desire to grow. I've got to slow down because sometimes somebody catches me with something I don't understand. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and they say something that you don't understand and you're at a, you're at an impasse in that conversation where you can either humble yourself and understand what they're saying, or you can act like you understand what they're saying and then not do what it is that they asked. And so sometimes you'll be in a conversation with somebody and you'll get to this point where you say, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. Tell me what you mean by that. Like, like, uh, like words that they use. Have you ever been around people who they use? They love, I love words. I love etymology. So I love this idea of where words come from. And so sometimes people can use words in a conversation that you don't understand, but you act like you understand them because if you, if you don't understand them, you feel like you're, you're lesser than them. And so sometimes you have to say, whoa, and this is one of those spots where if you're, if you're going slow, if you're like me, You'll read a sentence like that, and it'll look confusing. And it looks confusing because the flow is funky. He says, the words I've spoken are spirit. That's, that's weird. We don't, we don't talk like that. And the flow is funky because the translation from Greek, which incidentally, I've said this many times, but some of you haven't heard this. The New Testament wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek and then was translated into English and, and many other languages, many languages before English, but it was translated into English. And sometimes the translation from Greek into our particular language can be funky. And this one is one of those funky spots. You know, this is like Marky Mark and the funky bunch of words. Like it's just like, huh? That doesn't make sense because in that translation, there was not an English word that had the capability of capturing the meaning of what the Greeks were saying there. And so the Greek word that John the author used was the word pneuma. That, it means breath of God. And, and in its meaning, that word pneuma denotes power. So what John, the writer, was saying is he was saying, the words I have spoken to you are pneuma, not just spirit. The words I have spoken to you are pneuma. In other words, the words I have spoken to you are the breath of God. They are the power of God. And what he meant was when God spoke the words of his scripture, power came alongside those words. So God was never just speaking. He's always sending. He's always sending power alongside his words so that when you read those words, those words have already been empowered to accomplish what they said in the life of the person who was reading them. Come on, y'all. That's, that's good right there. That's, and that's just one word, one word, spirit. Like the word spirit in that sense means all of that, which is why I love this book. So he says, the words I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. Or what he's saying is they are alive. The book of Hebrews says, for the word of God is living. It is alive. It's not a normal book. This is not just some historical record 
or collection of writings from a bunch of ancient people. It is alive. And he says, it is active. Watch this. Because, why is it active? Because it is sharper than any double-edged sword and it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. And that is basically very fancy Bible language to say that this book will get all up in your business. This book, when you read it, will mess with you. It will mess with your attitude, with your emotions, with your issues. But again, because the word he has spoken to you are pneuma, they have the power to come alongside your attitude, to come alongside your emotions and your issues, and to change those things before you even have those things. Because this book is more than informational. It is transformational because you are not just getting information. You're getting the power to apply the information to your life so that you can see transformation in your life. And so today what I want to do is I want to give you three ways to do that. Three ways to see transformation in your life. And we're going to say three steps to building your life on God's word. And this whole idea really comes from a story in the seventh chapter of the gospel of Matthew. And in this story, Jesus is talking about wise and foolish builders. Now, pause just for a second. Because many of us have heard this idea that Jesus was the son of a carpenter. And some of you have heard me say this, but many of you haven't. The word that is used there that we translate to carpenter does not translate actually to carpenter. It is the word that Jesus is the son of a tectone. And the word tectone means builder. So Jesus was the son of a builder. More specifically, Jesus was the son of a mason. He was the son of a man, Yosef, who was a worker of stone. Isn't that so good? It's going to be better when you read this. Watch this. It says, uh, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowners improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build your life on. And if you work these words into your life, watch this. You are like a smart carpenter who builds his house. You are like a smart tectone who built his house on solid rock. It totally makes different connotation in your life that this is Jesus' expertise. He's not speaking theoretically. He's speaking from his entire being. So here's the first step is I must accept Scripture's authority. Acceptance always begins with attitude. Your acceptance of something is determined by your attitude toward it. And your attitude toward that thing will determine your view of that thing. So what is your attitude toward the Bible? Is it just some book that lays in your house? Is it some book that somebody gave you for free? Is it some book that maybe you stole from a hotel little lobby thing? Like you just, which is, does a book work if you, I think it still works if you stole it. That's why the Gideons are around. Like they exist so that you can steal the, now I don't know that that's why they exist, but that's what some of you think they exist for. So I can steal that Bible out of the hotel room. And now you're going to go home. You're going to go, oh, I need to go buy my own book. Like, you, like this is a thing that if you have this attitude that says it's just some book, then it's definitely not going to make an impact on your life. Like, like, is it a book or is it your authority? Is it, is it just some book that's filled with good ideas written by good people? Or is it what you would call the inerrant, infallible, perfect word of God? When you accept this book on that level, it changes everything. 
When you accept scripture as your authority, it changes what you do, what you say, how you say it, where you go, who you go with. It changes those things because this is your authority. And I get it. It's not always easy to understand. There are a lot of words in here, particularly depending upon the version that you like. The first book that anybody gave me was the King James Version. And I, like, I already hated Shakespeare. So this just felt like a whole nother book full of gobbledygook. It felt like a bunch of stuff that I didn't understand, that I didn't want to try to implement in my life. And so I get it. It can be difficult to understand. But, but for a lack of a way to say this, y'all, that's what I'm here for. I am here in your life to help you to understand this thing. That's what growth track is for, or that's what grow more is for. That's what alpha is for, so that you can get in a group. Listen, if you want to ask great questions, go tonight to downtown and watch the sermon again and sit around tables and ask questions and go, I think that's bogus. I think when he said that, that was whack. I don't think that that's actually what that means. Like, listen, the Bible's not offended by your questions. It is, it enjoys your questions. And so like, that's why we do Alpha or that's why we're doing downtown as an unchurch around tables. It's, it, it, it's, it's why we do life groups. Because there are some of you who won't understand certain things that maybe someone else will. But just because you don't understand something doesn't mean you shouldn't accept it. Like there are so many things that I don't understand that I still accept. Digestion, for example. I don't understand digestion, but obviously I still eat. And if at some point I have a problem with my digestion, I do not stop eating. I go to a gastroenterologist because they know stuff I don't know that'll help me solve the things that I'm struggling in. We wanna do that for your spirit. And there's this really cool verse in the book of 1 Thessalonians where this guy named Paul is writing to his friends in a church in a city that he started the church, Thessalonica, or some people call it Thessalonica. And here's what he says. I thank God continually because you received the word of God, which you received from us. Now watch this. The word that we translate to you received is the Greek word dekomai. And the Greek word dekomai literally means you welcomed a stranger. It means that, like, like you said, hey, come on in. He, Paul was saying, you didn't totally understand the scriptures. You didn't know what the book was all about, but yet you still welcomed it. He says, you welcomed the stranger of God's word, which you heard from us, and you accepted it, watch this, not as the word of men, but actually as it is, as the word of God, which because you received it and accepted it, is now at work in those who believe. And I'm telling you, this book can work for you. But before it can work for you, you have to accept its authority. And as soon as you do that, that pneuma, that power, that breath of God will come alongside the words and these words will be activated in your life. So here's the second way to build your life on God's word is I have to assimilate its truths. Assimilation means working something into every area. And so I have to work the Bible into every area. I have to work God's word into every nook and cranny, decision, idea, area of my life, into the direction of my life, into my attitude, my aspirations, my responses, my relationships, my future, my finances. This can't just be a Sunday thing. 
This thing has to permeate every area of your life. And so how? Let me give you a couple suggestions of how to let this book be assimilated into your life. First is listen to God's word, which of course is sermons like this one, which may seem like I'm, as they would say, preaching to the choir, because you're listening to a sermon right now. But it's not just sermons, it's also scripture. And so every morning when I wake up, I listen to God's word. I, I take my digital Bible, my YouVersion app, and I let it read me the scriptures because I wanna fill my spirit with scripture. So it's, it's sermons, it's scripture, it's also songs. You gotta be careful. The songs that you're downloading into your life. Like, like we have this speaker system in our house, which is so cool. And so we try the best that we can to have worship playing as often as we can. And sometimes it becomes white noise. Sometimes you don't even hear it anymore. But even when your ears aren't hearing it, your spirit is. And so we try as much as possible to have like these songs of worship, these songs of God playing throughout our entire house. Because the book of Romans says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus warned us that we should consider carefully, not what, but how we listen. So listen to God's word. Here's another suggestion, read God's word. And again, if you don't have a Bible and you didn't raise your hand at the beginning of this message, please come talk to us. We'll give you one. There's no strings attached to it. Or you can use the YouVersion app. You can use the, the Bible app. It has all sorts of reading plans to go through. Like I, I started January 1st, I started doing the one-year Bible plan. And the purpose of that, obviously, is to help you to be able to get all the way through the scriptures in one year. There are 1,189 chapters in the Bible. So if you read three to four chapters a day, which will take you about 15 minutes, you can read the whole Bible in one year. Or... I'm also going through a plan right now with about 40 other dudes, and the, and the plan is called the Proverbs Challenge. And so we're just simply reading one chapter of Proverbs every day throughout the month of October. Read God's Word. Here's another suggestion. Explore God's Word, which, by the way, is one of the purposes of these life groups. We're going to explore God's word in these groups together. You know, interestingly, there are two words for the word word in the Greek language. There was the word logos, and there was the word rhema. And the word logos means the written word, but the word rhema is the revealed word. And it is the difference between reading and being read. You have a choice. You can read God's word, or you can let God's word read you. How do you do that? You submit yourself to it. You surrender yourself to it. So that when you read it and it says something, you have got to acknowledge the fact that you don't know everything, but it does. And there are gonna be times, I promise, where you don't agree with the, like you're gonna read the Bible and go, mm, I don't know about all that. But here's the deal. If you get to a place where you come into a disagreement with scripture, well, scripture's never wrong. Scripture is never changing. So the question is, are you? Are you wrong and are you changing? Because you know there is an English word for when you come into disagreement with scripture and you refuse to change. It is sin. And so the writer of the Psalms, he gives us a solution. He says, I have, I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? 
so I won't sin against you. And you can only hide his word in your heart when you explore his word. So if you want to build your lives on God's word, you have to accept its authority, you have to assimilate its truths, and here's the third way, you have to apply its principles. So we just finished seven weeks in the book of James, a book that you can read in 15 minutes. And so we took seven weeks, and in that series, we heard James say, don't just listen to the word and deceive yourself, do what it says. How do I do that? Well, there's a really helpful verse in the book of Joshua, and it says, don't let the book of the law depart just from your mouth, meditate on it. Now, I told you earlier that the, that the New Testament was originally written in Greek, but the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. And Hebrew is a very beautiful language. It is a picturesque, pictorial type of language. Sometimes the Hebrew language will take an entire paragraph just to define a single word. It's like having a conversation with some of your friends who you ask them what time it is they tell you how to build a watch. You're like, okay, we get it. You read Google yesterday. But you're like, all I wanted to know is am I gonna be, gonna be late? You say, hey, what time is it? Oh, it's an interesting thing I read about watches. You're like, bro, shut up. It's enough. Like I'm just, I got, I got places to go. And sometimes that's Hebrew. Like, like sometimes Hebrew like takes you around the mulberry bush to get you where you are. And the word that we translate into the English word meditate comes from the word ruminate. And ruminate means to chew. And the Jewish people would describe the word ruminate with the picture of a cow chewing its cud. <laughs> Which when you're from the city like I am, you think that that is so gross. Uh, because like to someone from the city, which first of all, when I chew gum, I look like a cow chewing its cud, but I don't know how they get their mouth to move that way. But you know, to a person from the city, here's what we see. Like they, they, they chew, they swallow, uh, they vomit back in their mouth. They chew, they swallow, they vomit. Uh, back in their mouth and just on and on. And they, they just do that all day. And I'm pretty sure it's because they don't have iPhones. They're not on Instagram. So they're chewing, swallowing, puking, chewing, swallowing, puking, ad hoc. They just do it like, like all, all day long. But the people like you, like people from Wisconsin who, who understand cattle, like you understand that when a cow chews its cud, it isn't vomiting. It's actually chewing, swallowing, regurgitating. Chewing, swallowing, regurgitating. Chewing, swallowing, regurgitating. Now, whether you grew up in the city or you grew up around cattle like some of you, there's no difference in the process. There's still a chewing, swallowing, coming back up. There's no difference in the process. The difference is in our perspective. Because when you didn't grow up around cattle, you don't understand the purpose of the coming back up. Because every time a cow brings that grass back up, they're doing it with intention. They're doing that so they can get more nutrients out of it. And that's the word. You're supposed to meditate on it. You're supposed to ruminate on it. Because when you meditate on it day and night, that is you wringing every possible nutrient out of it. When you do that, then and only then, Will you be prosperous and successful? And so what I wonder today is, will you do that? Will you take this book and will you wring it out of every possible nutrient for your life? Will you accept its authority? 
Will you assimilate its truths? And will you apply its principles? Because if you'll do those things, you will have a life that is built on God's word. Would you close your eyes all across this place? I wonder if you're here today and you say, Sean, I haven't been wringing it out of any nutrients. You, you don't have a relationship with the Lord. You came in here, maybe, maybe you came in here because somebody convinced you to come. Like maybe you came here because you've tried everything else and everything else has failed. Maybe you came here because you got to the bottom of the rope and you are fearful that the knot is gonna come unraveled and so you wandered into this place today and maybe you heard something that tightened the knot. Today in this place, we're offering something that we call salvation. It's a very churchy word that just means a rescuing. Like, like maybe you're here and you say, Sean, I, I need to be rescued from sin or shame from yourself, whatever that thing may be. And you're looking for that lifeline. This morning, we're gonna give you that. It is a relationship with Jesus. Scripture says that if you'll confess with your mouth that you are a sinner and believe that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved, rescued from your sins. And so this morning, we're gonna give opportunity for people to do that. And it, it's a two-step process, really. You have to confess and profess. Confess that you're a sinner and profess that Jesus can save you from those sins. And so we're gonna give you an opportunity to do that. Here's how. We're gonna let people confess in just a minute with nobody looking around by raising their hand and making eye contact with me. Once you've made eye contact with me, you can put your hands down. And then after that, we're gonna profess that we believe Jesus can save us by repeating a prayer in this place. And everybody's gonna repeat the same prayer. We're not gonna center people out or make people feel weird or small. So if you're here and you say, Sean, I, I need to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior with nobody looking around, would you just raise your hand and make eye contact with me right now? Thank you. Thanks, 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 thanks. Thank you, thank you, thanks, thanks. Thank you, thanks. Okay, I'm gonna ask everybody in here to say these words after me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Come into my life change me, make me different, make me new. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer and you believed in your heart, the book says that you are saved, you're rescued. You begin this like beautiful journey. I began it 20 plus years ago where you leave where you are and walk toward where Jesus is. And we want to walk that journey with you. So if you could help us help you, there's a hello card in the seat back in front of you or it's underneath your seat if you're in the front or the back. We'd love for you to fill that out, tear it off. Check the box that's highlighted in yellow that says, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. You can either put it in the black buckets when they come around or you can take them out to the Welcome Center. Either way, we want the opportunity to pray for you and to follow up. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes one more time. We're not done, don't leave yet. Pastor Sonny's gonna close us out here in just a second. But I wonder if you're here and you say like, I'm a Jesus guy or I'm a Jesus girl, but you haven't centered your life on the Word. You have one. Maybe you don't remember the last time you consistently read it, but you know that you haven't been wringing it out for all that it's worth. And so today, if you're here and you say, Sean, I, I want to wring God's word out for more, and I want you to help me with that. Would you raise your hand in this place today? So many people. God, thank you for so many people who are in this place. I pray that you'd bless them. I pray that the nutrients of your word would permeate every part of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.